Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. You know, can I be honest with you, church? Uh, there are at least, you know, uh, two times a year where I don't look forward to preaching. And uh, I know this might sound funny uh, coming from me. Uh, I know some people, very gracious, has come up to me and says, oh, Pastor, we enjoy your preaching. It's very practical and I'm, I'm, always, I'm blessed that you are blessed. But I just want to be honest, there are two occasions uh, that I don't look forward to preaching. Christmas and Easter. And I'll tell you why. It's not because of, because I feel that, you know, because I, I preach, you know, often. And it feels like every Sunday is a Christmas message. Every Sunday, we're preaching about, you know, God with us. You know, and every, every Sunday is uh, Easter message. We preach about the resurrection and the power of Christ. And, but the thing is this, you know, I don't know why. Maybe it's just me. You know, it's just this projected sense of pressure. Uh, that I feel that, oh, when people bring their friends and whatnot to the Easter service, Christmas service, they almost expect the pastor to preach an even more Easter service than usual. You know, an even more resurrection message than usual. An even more Christmas message. I'll be like, I don't know how to even more hit, man. Uh, but, you know, I lean on the strength of God. How many know that when the world stresses you out, you can lean on the strength of God? And so I lean on the strength of God. And I go, God, you got to help me. <laughs> you know, the two times a year I don't look forward to preaching is here again. God, what should I do? And it's got to be able to speak to me again and again and again. I got a little bit, you know, uh, um, nervous at first. Because it felt like, God, whatever you're telling me feels uh, like the good news. It feels like the gospel message. And I feel God says that exactly. I want you to preach the good news to the church again. And I want the church to receive the good news. And I was like, God, is this you? Because, you know, I, and, and God says, yes, it's me. And so if you're taking down notes, today's message is called The Good News. Because <laughs> we're in this series of good. And God began to explain to me why He wants us to hear the good news. Because for different ones today, for some of us, this will be a revelation. But for some of us, this will be a reminder. And God says that, do you know that there is power in good news? And let's not even talk about the gospel yet, which is the ultimate good news. And I'll go into why it's the ultimate good news for some of our friends soon. But let's talk about normal good news, right? And let's say, for example, you know, Justin just came back from uh, Malaysia after a, a long break. And can you imagine if when he came back, and Justin's boss says, Justin, come into my office. And then, of course, you know, whoever gets called to any office will always be scared. Whether it's the headmaster's office, your boss's office, your pastor's office. How many of you thank God your pastor doesn't have an office? <laughs> yeah, but that, I know, that doesn't stop you from being scared of, of him. Sometimes, sometimes. Uh, and and don't, don't be scared, don't be scared and friendly. I don't bite. Most of the time. And... Uh, and also, can you imagine if Justin gets called back to the boss's office and then the boss says this, Justin, good news. Do you know just the declaration of that will just brighten up Justin's day? Right? Just saying it, Justin starts smiling. I'm just looking at Justin right now. He starts smiling. Can you imagine he says, good news, Justin. We've been reviewing your performance and we love it. We want to give you a raise. 
We want to give you, oh, amen. Amen, confession, confession. Amen. That's the loudest amen I heard from Justin. You know, we want to give you a raise. We want to give you a corner office. You know, we want to give you flexi work hours. You know, and then we will give you a company car. I know that, no. The thing is this, right? Do you see, just even this hypothetical good news, which maybe, I won't say hypothetical, I'm just prophesying, brother. You know, but just even this changes the atmosphere. You see, when you receive the good news, when you, re- when you hear any good news, it changes you for the better. And that change lasts. Let's say, for example, if he actually got promoted, that promotion lasts. You know, and his life is forever transformed. The next day he goes to the office, he doesn't go to a hot desk anymore, he goes to his corner lot office. You know, and when he looks at his bank account, you know, it's going to be different from now onwards. Because good news changes. Can you imagine if Pastor Cat one day comes and says, Dave, good news, I'm pregnant. Okay, okay. Pastor, Pastor, wow, wow, praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Pastor Cat, in case you know you're listening you know, uh, uh, in, in the podcast, Pastor Cat is giving out time out, time out. Tell them it's just an example. It's just an example. But do you see? Just even saying good news, you'd be like, Woo! you haven't even heard the good news yet. Right? And say, well, good news, Brandon, do you know that not only would that be transformation, in, in not just in me, but in both of our lives. And that transformation is permanent. That transformation, you know, it's not just a like, congratulations, you know, I'm pregnant, and then next day you go like, oh, who am I? No, 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 I am forever transformed. I'm now no longer just a pastor, I'm a parent. You know, I have to change my Instagram profile now. I can't just say, love God, love cat, loves no UK, I gotta say, loves God, loves cat, loves my child, insert name here, or insert names here, and then the UK, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and no, when you hear good news, it changes you. And God says that uh, my church needs to hear the good news again. Because when you hear the good news, it changes you, and that change lasts forever, and the Holy Spirit is saying that, remind my church again, because sometimes my people live like they've forgotten the good news. They're living being too affected by the bad news. And God began to tell me that I want my church to listen to the good news again so that they will be re-inspired again, so that they can put a smile back in their face again to remind them of how much they are loved by God. And when they, they have that in them, they will begin to change. And God began to give me this idea. He says, do you know that, you know, I don't want my church to be an embassy. Sometimes we you know, in, in, in church culture, we say, oh, the church is the embassy of God. It's the embassy of heaven. But God says, no, no, it's not the embassy of heaven. It's the showroom of heaven. Because when it's embassy, there's only one ambassador. And there's so many churches, you know, put too much pressure, too much responsibility on the ambassador, a.k.a. pastor, a.k.a. eldership, board. And then rest of people do nothing because that's how embassies work. But if it's a showroom, everything and everyone counts. Have you been to an Apple showroom? Do they just put out one phone? They put out everything. They put out their pencil. They put out their eraser. They put out their phone, tablet, TV. If they invent a car, you'll be there. Samsung the same. I'm not sponsored by any of them. Just saying. 
Have you gone? No, and, and, and God is saying that I want my church to be the, sh- the, the showroom of the good news. Where people come and they can taste and see, just like how you go to these places and you taste and see, you can have a hands-on experience of what that product can do for you and how it can change you. And God is saying that I want my people to have the good news again, to have the good news within them, to know how to share the good news. Maybe you already know how to share the good news, but you've got to be reminded that you are good news people. Turn to your neighbour and say, you're good news people. Amen, we are good news people. And so, you know, God says that, you know, it's like just like how a car showroom. You go in there, you can test drive the car. You can smell the leather seats. Amen. You can drink as many cups of espresso you want. Heaven's showroom. The showroom of the good news. So what is it about Easter that, that gets us excited? What is it about the good news that makes it good? The good news is good, first of all, because there is a God. There is a God. You know, in humanity, the question is not, is there a God? It's more like, who is that God? I know there are a lot of people, and sometimes we can have minority people who speak very loudly, and people would like you to think that all scientists believe that there is no God, but I can tell you there are a lot of scientists who believe there is a God. In fact, we have one scientific PhD student who believes there is a God, who is saved and transformed by God. We've got master students doing scientific stuff that believe in God. Amen? And, 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 and the thing is this, we also got to understand that you see, the, the good news is this, there is a God. Look at human civilization. For centuries, from way on b- back then, no internet, no telephone, no postal service for people to write to each other. Separated tribes, separated by continents. Even before America was found yet, there were people there. And people around the world separated, some in the Amazon jungle, some in China, some in Australia, some in Japan, some in Timbuktu, some in Africa, some in North Pole, South Pole. But everyone, without planning, without contacting each other, they all understood that there is a God. It's just that different ones have different ideas about God. But it all baked within humanity is this acknowledgement that there is something greater. Even atheists will tell you there's something greater. There's something greater is science. They have a God. The God is science. In fact, it takes more faith to be an atheist than to be a believer. So there is a God. Whether you believe in God or not, that you, you, you believe in something. So baked within the human soul, is a desire to believe in something bigger, more eternal than us. So why do Christians celebrate? Because good news, we found Him. There is a God. And He's not mean, He's not nasty. He's good. He's love. Let's go to the first scripture for today, John 3.16. You can't preach the good news without this declaration. Some of us know this by heart. And let's, let's, let's fall in love with it all over again. Because we are good news people. John 3, 16. For God so loved, praise God, we have a God. And He's not 
for God so was so mad at the world, for God no hated the world, for God so loved the world. How much does God love you? He thinks the world of you. That's how much God loves you. Isn't that good news? That's good news to me, friends. And for God so loved, not only did He think the world of you, He gave. Ladies, the moment a guy starts giving you stuff, you know he's serious. You know what I'm saying? I mean, numbers don't count, you know. But, but, you know, that's a, but when he starts giving, you know, flowers. But God so loved that He gave. He didn't give flowers. He didn't drop a book. He came Himself. For God so loved, He gave His only Son. That whoever, turn to your neighbor and says, whoever. And turn to the actual neighbor that you like and says, that means you. Whoever. Good news. Whoever can be saved. Doesn't matter your skin colour, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter whether you have parents, no parents, you're rich, you're poor, educated, uneducated, illiterate, not illiterate, whoever who believes will not perish but have everlasting life. That's good news, friends. That's good news. Because not only is there a God, that God loves us. Not only did He love us, He provided a way for us. He gave His Son so that whoever believes in Him shall not die, shall not perish, but have eternal life. After death, we will see God face to face because of Jesus. Which brings us to another reason to celebrate for good news. The fact that God not only loved, but He sacrificed Himself for us. You see, just like how it's baked into the human soul, the need, the instinct to believe in something greater, whether that's knowledge or faith, but the desire and the, they know that we need to believe. We're built to believe because there is something to believe in. But there is also baked within them this understanding that humanity is not good enough and a sacrifice needs to happen. Isn't it unique that in all major religions and faiths, whether they have gone extinct or still present today, all have an element of sacrifice in it? You know, the, the Mayans that have gone extinct because they thought 2012 would be the end of the world. Guess what? They're wrong. But they, 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 their world ended long before that. They were known for sacrificing to their gods. Knowing that we're not good enough, so we need to sacrifice. And for them, animal sacrifice wasn't enough. They needed human sacrifice. Separated from them, thousands of mouths and, 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 and the other side of the world, speaking a different language, looking at different skin tone all together in China. People also have an idea we need to sacrifice. We need to sacrifice. That's why we sacrifice animals. We sacrifice, you know, burn offerings. We sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. You know, cultures in Africa, sacrifice. Even the, the Aborigine people in Australia, middle of nowhere, Australia, so isolated Australia. Do you know that, you know, how many of you have been to Australia before you understand what I'm saying? Right? I went there like, you know, once as an adult, 
Immigration, very simple. You know, all right, go in, mate. Four custom checks follow after that. Do you have fruit? No, I don't. Do you have fruit? No, I don't. Do you have fruit? I don't. I don't know what fruit has done to Australia, <laughs> but they have declared war on fruit. You know, I, I, I'm cool with that. You know, and then, then you can't bring in certain things because if you bring in the wrong meat, if you bring in the wrong fruit, if you bring in the wrong product, it will wipe out the koalas. So isolated that if the wrong thing gets inserted, Australia is so isolated, even the people that understand that there is a bigger being, supreme being, more than us, and He desires a sacrifice. We are not good enough. And so every part of human civilization has this desire to believe in something greater, and they understand a need to sacrifice to please this being. But the unfortunate thing is this, no amount of sacrifice, earthly sacrifice can cut it. Because what the Bible says is this, what humanity owes God, why would we need to sacrifice? Because we have owed God something. We need to give back to God a tribute. And what we owe God is not a piece of fruit. Even though we, we, we read the Bible, it says, oh, we, we ate of the fruit that we we're not supposed to eat, and oh no, then, then sin happened. But, but the solution wasn't give God back that piece of fruit. No, split it back, plant a new tree, give Him all the crops. No, no, no. What we took from God was holiness. God created us to be holy. Mankind walking the earth, living forevermore, not knowing sin, no hunger, no pain, no poverty, no corruption, seeing God face to face, literal heaven on earth. But our disobedience disrupted that. And so what we owed God wasn't just a piece of property, a garden, a tree, a fruit. No, what we owed God was holiness. And you don't need to be an accountant to know that if all of us here are in deficit, we cannot help each other. Some of us, you might be thinking, but pastor, I'm a good person. I recycle. Good on you. Good on you. You, you are a saint. You are a saint. You know, I'm vegan. Great. But our hands are still dirty. Maybe you recycle. Maybe you're a vegan. Maybe you save the whales every other weekend. And that's why we don't see you in church. And, uh, <laughs> so maybe you're not negative 100 like me. Or maybe I'm not negative 100. Maybe negative 100,000, that's me. You know, maybe you're just negative 50. Right? And let's say the worst serial killer in the world is like negative a million. Right? But as long as we're all in a negative, we can't help each other. I can, I can help you some, but that will only make me more negative. And so we need God who is the positive. We need God who... Because if, can you imagine if the entire world system has been corrupted, you need someone out of this world to enter this world to fix this world. And so no amount of gurus in the world, no amount of philosophers in the world, because it's dirty hands helping other dirty hands. Granted, less dirty hands, but still dirty hands. Because if you do good to save yourself, then the act of doing good is selfish. And that's not good. That's why Christians, we can't do good to save ourselves. We do good because God saved us. The reason why we go out and feed the homeless, talk to them, ask them their name, shake their hand, give them a hug, is not to earn points to go up to heaven. 
We do that because God loved. We're able to hug people no matter how many days they haven't showered because God hugged me when I was a filthy piece of nothing. And God not only hugged me, God died for me. And so Christianity, friends, is the only faith that answers the conundrum of humanity. There is a God. There is this instinct that we need to sacrifice something. We need to do good. But Christianity says there's no amount of good can fix that. I need to fix you first before you can fix yourself. And that, friends, is the good news we have in Jesus. That God so loved us that He came and He fixed us first. Remember, we talk about a whole world being negative. Isn't it very profound that the cross, even though it's a very painful act that Jesus had to die, is shaped like the positive sign? It's again God speaking to our soul, speaking to mathematicians and saying that there is a God and He knows maths because He created it. Amen? And that's the good news we have. And But I want us to, to get good news further in our system. Not only did Jesus die for us, He rose again. Oh, He rose again. And that's why we can have hope. Because our God didn't just die and now, oh no, what happened to God? No, He rose again. And in, in, if we believe in Him, like what we just read in the Scripture, we too will be born again. Just like how God died and God uh, re, you know, uh, resurrected, we will also die a spiritual death and spiritually resurrect with Him. Amen? And, 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 and there's also good news, not just in the sacrifice, but there's also good news in the resurrection. Let's turn to some scripture on the resurrection. Is it okay? Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 to 20. You guys okay? If you see your pastor getting so excited, it's because recently the Holy Spirit told him, preach your heart out every Sunday on because there'll be no preaching in heaven. Only Jesus gets to speak in heaven. And so I, 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 I got to unleash all my jokes now. I got to unleash all my teaching now because up there, I'm just going to sit at Jesus' feet, you know, and, and just, just, just count my blessings that I even made it, you know, because God is so good. But there is power, not just in sacrifice. There is, you know, if, if, if God sacrificing answers the human conundrum, then the power of resurrection is good news for our living now. How? I will explain it. Well, let's go into some scripture. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, well, good, <laughs> came to see the tomb. <laughs> so glad they're so detailed. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, you know. Like, like how sometimes in church we go like, uh, that person, and then the other law student. Uh, came to the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Can we just pause there and just respect how gangster God is? You see, sometimes we go like, oh yeah, yeah. What did God do for you? He died for my sins and then He rose again. He didn't just rose again. He rose again. Man, how did He rose again? That was an earthquake. God made sure that the whole postcode knows that He's about to do something. And not only that, this is how gangster it is. He came down and then he rolled it away and then he sat on it. When I read this, my imagination ran wild. This wasn't polite sitting. This was some gangster sitting. Can you imagine? Huge stone rolled away. Angel sitting on top of it. Maybe even one leg up. 
you know, proving to the world, I own this joint. Death, you've been owned. Death, you're not your own. Death, you've been defeated. I'm sitting on you. Good news, our God sits on death's head. Death is not just some, some other, you know, balance in the universe. No, death is, is, has been minimized by God. God's feet is over death's head. In fact, you no, know, God has defeated death so much that He let an angel sit on the head. That's the ultimate sign of defeat. You know what I'm saying? You know, if, if, if I'm like super muscular and I defeated a lion, you know, do you know, and then the lion's still alive but it's totally subservient to me, like meow. Do you know what's the ultimate sign that, hey, this, this animal is my B word? And, and is to allow my son to sit on the head of the lion and say, say, son, don't worry. This lion, he ain't no threat to us anymore. Son, you, you can sit on him. Servant, you can come. And so when God did this, he was saying that, look, death, you've been defeated. Sometimes you go like, no, death's been defeated. No, 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 death has really been defeated. You know, an angel sits over the very sign. What did the rock represent? It represented death. It represented a dead end. So what does this speak to us today? Our God has conquered not only death, but every dead end. You got to learn to speak to the dead ends in your life and go like, you know what? You've been conquered. Dead ends are not a problem for God anymore. Let's read on. And, and His countenance was like lightning. Wow. Well, can you imagine some science fiction, electro stuff? Psst, 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 wow. Angel, psst, like lightning. Pure white, pure electricity. And when you look at him, it's probably sparkling. Psst, psst. And his garments, his clothing, as white as snow. Woo! And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. When the guards, this was not just some, you know, security guard with a big pot belly. This were Roman centurion guards. That if they slept on the job, it would be a death sentence for them. But when they saw the angel, they faint like dead men. And they go like, you know what? I can't. And it says this, but the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Next page. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. This God says, don't believe me, check the tomb. If you have a chance to go to Israel one day, check the tomb. Still empty. Amen? And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him and behold, I told you. So God not only conquered and rose from the dead, he went ahead. Speak that to your soul. The God we serve didn't just rose from the dead, he went ahead. You know, are you going through something right now? It feels like a dead end. God's gone ahead. Speak to that dead end. Oh, I don't know whether this exam, this exam feels like the death of me. Oh, death? The Holy Spirit says, funny you should mention that. Don't you know death is dead? Wow, deep philosophical death is dead. <laughs> Killed by my God. Oh, this is savage Jesus, man. He's not just some, you know, meek and mild Jesus. This is Jesus who sits on the, the, the head of death. And not only did he do that, he went ahead. You know the ultimate sign of the conqueror? Been there, done that, I'm going ahead. So speak to your soul. Whatever you're going through, you know, what, what, what's, what's giving you sleepless nights? Your studies? Come on. God or not, or not only rose from the dead, He's gone ahead. You know, it's your bills plaguing you. He's, he's not only rose from the dead, He's gone ahead. You know, are, are other things stopping you? Come on, He's gone ahead. And so they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. 
and ran to bring his disciples a word. And as, Je- and as they went to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Not only did they run there, the original Spice Girls, because they were there to bring spice to, to, to perfume the, the tomb, and they, but the concert got cancelled, and they went there and they had to tell the disciples, Jesus, he's risen and he's gone ahead. And then Jesus, it's funny you should mention Jesus appears. And then they bow down and they worship him. Man, we, we worship a teleporting Jesus. What does that speak to us? God is with you. Amen? God is with you. Let's go on. It says here, don't be afraid. Go tell my brethren, go to Galilee, that they will see me. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came to the city, reported the chief priests, all the things that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while he slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So just in case you heard people say, No, 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 Jesus didn't raise from the dead. You know, his body was stolen by his disciples. Guess what? That ain't true because the Bible told me so. Because the Bible, they preempted the lies of the enemy and says that, no, 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 you can't tell that lie because we have proof here that you bribed the people. Amen? And so, let's go on. So they took the money and did as they were instructed, and this saying is common reported among the Jews until this day. Even until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven, on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. This is my favorite part. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Earlier on, I said God's with us. He promises to be with us. That's good news, friends. Whatever you're going through, you're not alone. You can be single, but you're not alone. You know, God is with you. And that's good news indeed. So how does all of this, how does the whole resurrection story, resurrection eyewitness account factor into our daily living now? It answers three of life's biggest fears. Fear number one that we all have in life. A sense that we're not good enough and shame of our past. You know what makes us feel like we're not good enough? Our past or upbringing. They come to this country, everybody speaks English, you think your English is not good enough. What gives you that sense of shame? Your upbringing. Oh, my upbringing wasn't good enough. I wasn't given the opportunities like them. You know, my parents didn't send me to this school, therefore I'm like this, and therefore I don't think I'm good enough. There's a sense of shame that gravitate, you know, pulls you like gravity from the past. But when Jesus died and rose again, He cut the power from your past. And now your past doesn't have power over you. And because, you know, other shame, not only, you know, of upbringing and stuff like that, but, but regrets. How many of you have regrets? Come on, show of hands. You have one regret or the other. We all do. I'm not even talking about big spiritual regrets. I'm talking about the sale that you missed. Ladies, I regret I should have bought that. I thought I should browse around, but then when I came back, the show wasn't regrets. But God is saying that, no, I've set you free. The past doesn't have any power over you anymore. Because I've paid. My sacrifice paid for your past. Your past mistakes, your past regrets, no matter how big, how small, I paid it all. And not only that, when God paid it all, 
there's no longer shame. And when there's no longer shame, we can own it and we can work on it. Do you know that one of the biggest things stopping us from moving forward is ownership? You know, sometimes you meet people and they tell you that, oh, the problem is my university is not qualified enough, it's not good enough. Oh, the problem is my upbringing. No, 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 the problem is you. The problem is, no, there's something about you and that, that, that thing that they refuse to take ownership of, that the problem is your bitterness. Not the opportunities or the lack of in your life, but the bitterness in your life. The, the problem with you is, you know, that desire to be envious. And until you own that problem, you can't fix the problem. It's like, you know, you, you, you go and you go like, oh, there's, you know, there's, there's something wrong with my car. The alarm blares non-stop. And you think that it's got something to do with the alarm system. No, it's got to do with the battery. And until you fix the battery, the car alarm, no matter if you change it how many times, it's still going to go off. So you got to fix the root. But shame affects us owning up to our root problems. How many times have we been there before? When our parents have nagged us and it's to go like, do this. And we go like, I, I do. Actually, we don't. But our pride stops us from owning up to that mistake. But if we only let down our pride, we can own up and go like, you know what? I, I do need to be more disciplined. You know what? The problem with me is not you know, lack of opportunities. It's discipline. It's not my university. It's me. I, I need to be disciplined. I need to be more, more punctual. My problem is my punctuality. I need to be more punctual. And until you fix that, you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities. But when you, no, when you no longer have shame, you can own it and work on it and go like, yeah, I do have a problem. But I've got no problem saying that I have a problem because I'm a sinner and Jesus has forgiven me. But now that I've been forgiven of that shame, I can work on it. And now with the shame removed and the penalty of sin removed, not only can we work on it, we can ask God to be involved in it. See, before that, we were separated. Man and God, our sin repelled God. God couldn't come near pure being of holiness. If the angels made from pure lightning, can you imagine God? And if He comes near to us who, are, who is unholy, we would disappear, disintegrate. But Jesus took that problem out, took that sin out, took the punishment out, took the debt we owed God out. And now God can be in the picture, in the pit with us, fixing our mistakes. And that's one of the biggest fears that we have. This sense of not good enough. This sense of regret. I regret, oh, I should have treated that person nicer. I should have you know, been nicer to my parents. I should have studied harder. I should have this, I should have that, I should have that. And we're always, we can't move forward because we're looking behind. But God fixes that and helps us to move forward. Fear number two. FOMO. Fear of missing out which is just another expression of our emptiness. We feel missing out because we, we feel the need to fill our life with something. Fun, joy, job, girlfriend, car, property, travel, holiday. Feel, 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 feel. But that emptiness of the present can only be filled by God. No other stuff satisfies, friends. And a lot of us who fast, you know this. 
<laughs> Yesterday I was talking to someone in Bristol, a brother who's been fasting for the last 21 days. He meant he fasted meat and specifically beef. Because he said, I eat beef every day. I'll be like, whoa. And then yesterday I asked him, so brother, have you broken your fast? Have you, have you had your first taste of beef? He says, yes, I have, pastor. But to be honest, it doesn't satisfy. In fact, that piece of beef feels a little bit smelly in my mouth. And, and those of you, some of you are nodding your head because you understand. Some of you, you've been fasting. You know, you've been fasting, you know, meat and, 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 and you know, the other day, some uh, sister told Pastor Cat, you know, oh, I don't know why. I, 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 I've been fasting this and this wasn't my lifestyle, but I can't help, but I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm ready for meat yet. Because we realized this, the very thing that we previously craved, craved so much that we felt the need to fast for, now, as we draw closer to God, that thing that we were craving before, we crave no more. What does that tell us? Jesus is telling us, through fasting and prayer, I satisfy you. I, I satisfy you better than meat can, than hamburgers can, than rice can, whatever you're fasting, than social media can. Someone's telling me yesterday again in Bristol, man, I'm fasting social media. Now I get on it, man, I feel like throwing up. Can see the amount of trash in there. I'll be like, wow, that's revival. That's, that's, that's a realization that, you know what, it's actually God that satisfies. I don't need people's likes and clicks and follows. I just need to follow one person, that's Jesus. Amen. And, and so, what, what's the good news? The good news is this we don't need to fear missing out because we have Jesus. When you have Jesus, you don't miss out. When you have Jesus, no, nothing else matters and everything else fails in comparison because Jesus satisfies and we no longer feel empty in the present. Do you see some, some of our friends you know, chasing, they think boyfriend's the issue, boyfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend. They think car's the issue, car, car, car. They think holiday's the issue. How many of you have come back for a holiday only to feel like you need another holiday to rest from that previous holiday? So what does it tell you? Holiday doesn't satisfy. Holiday doesn't give you rest. Only Jesus gives you rest. What's the good news number three? The good news number three is that it hits hard and hits home of our fear of the future. Three fears. Our fear that our past will catch up to us, our fear that we're missing out right now, and our fear of the future, the uncertainty of the future. Three biggest fears humanity face. Why do we work so hard? Fear of the future. What, no... That's my story. My, my parents didn't have a chance to go to university. So they wanted to give me the best opportunity because they fear for the future. Because when they had to look for a job, they were, you know, they were disqualified and, and they were put down because they didn't have higher education. So they resolved in my heart that this affected my future. So I'm not going to allow this to affect my children's future. But how many know that the problem now today is not so much higher education, is that you can have the best degree and you come out and still be jobless. Education doesn't fix the fear of the future. Money doesn't fix the fear of the future. Because money, stocks can rise one day and crash the other day. So who helps us to fix the fear of the future? Jesus. 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 No matter where we are at, Jesus says, I will be with you. Do you know that the last promise there to, that, that He will be with us 
even to the end of the age, is not just for people with the surname Low. You know, sometimes we read that and they go like, I have a friend, you know, his surname is Low. He says, that's my favorite scripture. Lo, I am with you always. Oh, that's a personal promise to me. And my entire family tree, all the Low clan will have God forever and evermore. But that's not true. That's for all of us. God is saying, good news, I will be with you. What's the biggest fear of the future? Death. If you have time, ask your parents this, what do they fear the most? They fear the most about the future, but they fear the most specifically what will happen to their children when they pass away. So again, the biggest fear of the future always ties into death. What's the biggest fear of a single person? That they will die single. Again, death is in the picture. What's the biggest fear of a poor person? They will die penniless. They don't mind a season of penniless, but they don't want to die penniless. They don't want to die single. They don't want to... So, death. And isn't it beautiful that God goes in this roundabout way? But guess what? Just in case you forgot, death is dead. Death has lost its sting. I have conquered death. An angel sits on the door of death. And John 3.16 says, life forevermore. Whoever who believes in me shall have eternal life. When you begin to realize, you know what? Death is not my enemy. Death's been defeated. It, it allows you to live a fearless life. It allows you to declare, this will not be the death of me. Because we know I will not die. That is not my destiny. My destiny is eternal life. My destiny is God with me always. So this will not be the death of me. Oh, my results not so good. This will not be the death of me. Oh, I didn't get a job. I failed the interview. This will not be the death of me. And when you have that, man, it helps you live a fearless life. Some of you might know this story, but one time I was flying to Botswana last year and my plane almost crashed. No joke. I know. Why should you believe me? I've been exaggerating a lot this morning. I might exaggerate about my jokes, but never on the love of God. And so, I was really going down, and Kat knows this because she doesn't like it when I joke about it. But I was going down. I was living a Hollywood movie. The air stewardess was preparing us for a crash. They were yelling out, brace, 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 put down your head. Brace, brace, brace. Everyone there was scared because the plane's landing gear couldn't kick into place and the pilot was prepared for emergency crash but it will bounce and bounce and bounce. Problem was, it was a very small plane. Problem was, it was a very small airport. As the plane was going down, very fast, everybody's like, praise, praise, praise. Put your head down. Everybody was so scared. I saw in the corner of my eye down there, there was only one fire truck. So even if the emergency landing had happened, only one fire truck. <laughs> and no ambulance in sight. And just when I thought, oh God, is this it? Holy Spirit whispered, you ain't going out that easy. This ain't going to be the death of you. You've got things to do, getaways to plan, people to meet, <laughs> students that will bug you, and you will need to sit down and be nice and counsel them because I love them. You ain't after the Holy Spirit saying to me, after all that I've been through for you, 
You ain't going out that easy. And of course, landing gear kicked in, plane landed, the whole plane rejoiced. Everybody look at me, my neighbor, especially, and go like, how come you're not afraid? Did you, how did you know we were not going to die? And I just smiled. Because even a plane crash, that's not going to be the death of me. Amen? That's the good news, friends. That's the good news. And so God wants us to hear it again so that we are reminded what a privilege it is to be called a child of God. And why is your pastor going on and on sharing all these examples so that you can share it too? Because sharing the gospel is not hard. It is a human need. It is a human hunger for a saviour. That's why superhero movies make the most money. Everybody wants a hero. That's why whether it's religion or even our fiction, the idea of sacrifice to triumph over evil is baked into it. It's almost like even if they deny God, they can't help but acknowledge God. Star Wars, to defeat the empire, Obi-Wan Kenobi had to die. Darth Vader had to die to turn good. And the recent one, I, I won't spoil it for you, but someone dies. Yoda dies. Han Solo dies. Skywalker dies. Batman. If the parent didn't die, he would just be a man. If the parent didn't die, he'll be Adventures of Millionaire Playboy. Huh? No, but because the parents died, a force of good could be birthed. Superman wouldn't be Superman if the entire planet didn't die. It would be Superman, M-E-N, not Superman, M-A-N. Think about it. Even Harry Potter had to die. Oh, not, not big fans? Christians, right? Yeah, yeah, I know Christian crowd. We don't read witchcraft, pastor. Sorry, my wife does, you know. In the, in the last book, Harry had to die. Well, but he died and then he rose again. Well, the, okay, okay. The, the, the horror crux part of Harry... Oh, those nerds listening to the podcast are going to enjoy today. The Horcrux part of Harry had to die, but then the human part of Harry didn't die and he came back and defeated Voldemort, the evil one. Someone had to die! Some sacrifice had to be made. Do you see, even, even, even a book about wizards and witchcraft also has the element of sacrifice accomplishing a greater good baked into it. There wouldn't be Avengers Endgame if nobody died in Avengers Infinity War. But guess what? This is a spoiler, but it's not a spoiler. They're going to come back again. <laughs> so the good news is this, friends. It's the world is crying out for a saviour. But we would 
it will be great injustice if we good news people stay silent. So let's be good news people. Let our faith show that we have the good news. Because when you hear good news, your faith changes, your life changes. And let's be a good news showroom for God. Let's pray. Amen. Father Lord, I pray that you will make us your messengers of the good news, God. Right now, today, Lord, we are able to hear the good news again because of what you have done. And I pray that this message, all the examples we learned today will not remain with us, but Lord, it will give us confidence to share, Lord, of your goodness. And how not only did you die for us, not only did you love us, but Lord, your death and your resurrection helps us to live a fearless life today. That's good news indeed. So God, help us to be good news people for your glory. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.axchurch.uk. God bless.